0: Hi guys, this is Kelly Knight, and I am here to host something a little bit different. It's called Extra Credit. So anytime I have an opportunity to have an interesting conversation with somebody, I would love to be able to share it with this Sunday School community, and so you'll see these pop up in your feed as extra credit episodes. And because we are in these unprecedented times, I'm going to be having these conversations from my home, and I'm going to be interviewing very knowledgeable and interesting people via Zoom. So the audio is going to be a little bit different, but it's the best method that we have Um, currently, that we can get up and running. And this time, I'm speaking with Carrie Johnson. And she has been a longtime friend, and she is an evolutionary astrologer. And she really focuses and studies on the massive astrological movements that happen as a collective and as a planet. And as soon as this sort of outbreak happened, I knew that I needed to check in with her to see what the stars are reflecting regarding this pandemic. And as soon as I asked her, and we started having this conversation, my mind was blown at how carefully she has been tracking this for years, and how many astrologers have been tracking this as part of their profession. And so this is not a Sunday school lecture. This is more of a conversation that we have. She's going to discuss what's going on with the planets right now and how it how 2020 is unfolding. She also takes us through a little bit of a history lesson as to when and where and how we have fared as a population with similar astrological energies, specifically the Pluto and Saturn conjunction. And you'll, your mind's going to be blown when you hear about these massive historical events that have been related to a similar time that we're experiencing now. And then as you go on to listen, she starts to talk about how this time, and this transit affects everyone else's natal chart in different ways based on your rising sign, and she gets into more of that. So if you want to pull up your chart, she recommends astro.com, and you can fill in your information and see your chart, and I would focus on finding your rising sign. And it's just in a riveting conversation, and every few moments my mind was kind of being blown about... How you know astrology can really give a framework to what is happening in not just the individual person, but when these outer planets further away from the sun start making themselves known in these certain combinations, how it ripples through the, the literally the whole world. Um, Also, I just wanted to have a couple other announcements. One, um, if you like what you hear from Carrie, which I'm sure that you will, and you want to have your own reading with her, one of the benefits of us having to social distance and be in quarantine is that we can offer you guys virtual readings. So we have our tarot readers. so You can go to modernmystictarot.com and get a reading with them. And if you wanted to get an astrology reading with Carrie, because we're doing things virtually, you're welcome to sign up for a reading with her, and um, I highly, highly recommend it. I also wanted to mention that we are in a big pivot right now, so we don't know how long we're going to have Modern Mystic Shop, the physical location, closed. But we have found a way to pivot, and I got my hands on a bunch of hand sanitizer and antibacterial soap through our um, vendor that we've partnered with for our essential oils for since day one. And uh, we are selling those at ModernMysticShop.com. So if you'd like to purchase some of these for yourself or for loved ones, we would really appreciate it, as it is our sole form of revenue, basically, at this time. And... We would love it if you would share that, these products with your friends and loved ones on Instagram, share the podcast through your social media. We're trying to stay as connected as we can in these uncertain times. So tune in, get comfortable. This is a riveting conversation and Carrie just like, is just so impressive. So I hope you enjoy.
1: Thank you, Kelly.
0: Thank you for the beautiful introduction. I'm so glad to be here. I'm happy to have you. Um, so yeah, so like I was saying, what the fuck is going on? Tell me, what is this 2020? What is this virus? What is this, you know, the bigger picture of everything? Some of this astrological lore that I know that you've been seeing for quite some time. It feels like you've been aware of this transit. Um, I'd love to hear about, you know, how what you've been tracking and, and what's been coming up for you.
1: Yeah, so the first time that the astrology of 2020 came onto my radar, I was a baby astrologer. I had been studying for maybe three years, but I'd just been to my first um, conference with Stephen Forrest, just found a mentor. I was getting into it very heavily. So I was out at a tea house in Asheville, actually, with someone, (laughs) with an astrologer who was about my age, but a little bit farther along in her studies. And she looks at me and says, have you seen 2020? And I had no idea. So she pulls it up right there. She's got her computer. And, um, that was kind, that was an initiation for me. It was like, you are not a baby astrologer anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And I stayed up until about four o'clock in the morning looking at these crazy transits and trying to figure out how how is this going to pan out? Because from the vantage point of five years ago, I don't know. Um, So I've got a quote. So that was summer of 2015. And then this came out in the Mountain Astrologer in December, January 2016. The whole thing, or the, a big theme, so it's this is where they're doing their annual forecast, December, January of 2016. And what are they talking about? There's a huge theme in here looking ahead to 2020. So this article by Maurice Fernandez, and you can pull this up online, The Powerful Astrological Cycles of 2020. Here's what he says. And I've had this at arm's length for the last four years. I worked in a hospital for, for you know, several years during that time. It was always at arm's length. So this is what he says. It may seem premature to analyze transits four or five years prior to their occurrence when so much can happen in between. However, because 2020 promises to be a turning point in our history, now is an appropriate time. When we look back at that period, we may find ourselves dividing the times between life before 2020 and life after 2020. Um, So this, this, stuff that's happening is so big that truly um any astro- it's it's like an initiation for astrologers to start contemplating it i have a vedic astrologer that i talked to from my time to time 20 years ago she was in india in really rural areas seeking out the the teachers and of course they're all men or they were in india at that time and they would they were all talking about 2020. It's a total game changer. It's a defining and, time. It sounds like it's a very defining time, and the reason for that. So, what's going on? To explain it first, I need to explain what sonotic cycles are. Okay. So, sonotic cycles are the the cycles in astrology that really set up the course of history. So, you can track. And synodic cycles have to do with the way that the outer planet, when the, when the outer planets, let's say, talk to each other or come into alignment. So we're talking about the planets, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, when we talk about sonotic cycles, those, yeah.
0: Um, when you say outer planets, does that mean distance from the sun?
1: It does. Okay, Thank you okay. for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. The, so um, the planets inside of Saturn, Mercury, Mars, Venus, the Sun, the Moon, and Jupiter are referred to as the personal planets. And we, when we look at our natal charts or our individual astrology, those planets are describing the way that the psyche is wired. And those planets move so fast that they don't stick around like in transits or uh, to pick up enough enough steam to have to to set up a huge ec- epical theme. So Saturn, Saturn's kind of a personal planet and it's an, it, it's one of these it's the boundary. It's the, kind of the last of the personal planets. But Saturn's a big boy, and it sticks around for two years. And when it joins up with those outer planets, we, we're talking synodic cycles. Got it. Okay. So, so – the, the big sonotic cycle that's happening right now is Saturn and Pluto. So this is a 32-year, approximately 32 to 38-year cycle, um, and it's approximate because these planets have Pluto in particular has a highly elliptical orbit, so the rate at which it goes around the zodiac or through a sign varies somewhat, depending on how far it is from the Earth basically. And Saturn goes back and forth and back, so back and forth. So there's some variance in the period of the cycles. So, and again, with sonotic cycles, we get um, we get themes that really that really describe the evolution of consciousness on the planet. We get themes that have to do with the course of history, with societal trends, with really big breakthroughs in scientific um, innovation. So they have. Um, they're, they're transpersonal and they're going to have a global impact when they line up and it, we're all going to feel it basically. So Saturn, Pluto, the reason that this is such a big deal and astrologers will tell you that it's the biggest thing to happen in astrology in 500 years. It's a big deal. And the reason for that is that um, each sign, so the signs are Capricorn and Virgo and Pisces and Scorpio, those are the signs, they have planets that carry their energy. So this, this thing that's happening with Saturn and Pluto is they're, they're lined up right now. They're forming a conjunction or they're sitting on top of each other in the sky. And the, play, the sign that this is happening in is Capricorn. Saturn is at home in Capricorn. And when that happens, it makes the alignment that much more powerful. It's in its own sign. So it's kind of like a double Capricorn, double Saturn signature. Um, and what is, what is Capricorn? Capricorn is the sign of the patriarchy. It's the structures that we have created to govern ourselves. It's the structures of banking and finance and political systems and governments, right? It's our power structures. So Saturn is like that is manifestation, basically. It's structure, it's order, it's all that we've created in the sign of the patriarchy. And what does Pluto do? Pluto brings death. Pluto brings death. So, and Pluto and Saturn, it brings death and rebirth and transformation. So it's a death to the current power structures. And these two planets have not lined up in Capricorn in 500 years years since the protestant reformation so that's the reason that um you'll hear astrologers saying it's the biggest thing to happen in 500 years it's because that this um it's a death of structure death of the patriarchy lining up in the sign of the patriarchy all of our structures are shifting and transforming
0: so you were saying this hasn't happened in 500 years so what was going on 500 years ago as a precursor to sort of give us an understanding of about what we might be into or yeah, even more.
1: that. Okay. So 500 years ago, it was the Protestant reformation. Um, so 500 years ago, the Protestant reformation at that time, the Catholic church, which had been built for 50, basically since zero AD, the Catholic Church had been built for essentially 1,500 years. And during that time, the Catholic Church was consolidating power, consolidating power, consolidating power, and they were the authority. And when people, you know, priests married people, baptized people, blessed, did um, burials, they were the authority. were also the only people who could read. So up until this, so they're not only this super powerful, um, uh, like center of power within the, within the culture, they are the only literate people and they're literally the voice of God. So part of what happens with the Protestant Reformation, you know, Martin Luther goes and tacks his theses up and says hey, um, the Catholic Church is not all powerful. They were, the priests were selling indulgences. It had become a very corrupt organization, right? We are the voice of God. We can do what we want. So he, was the, he challenged it very publicly, um, and he did this as the printing press was invented. So right, so at the same time, roughly, that he challenges Catholic authority and the authority of the priesthood, suddenly Bibles become mass produced, and the people are literate for the first time. So he's saying, oh, no, 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 we don't need priests to mitigate our relationship with the divine, we can do that ourselves, thank you very much, and you are, you are a corrupt Organization. So, from his pushback to the Catholic Church in hierarchy, we get all of the denominations that we uh, that we think of today. We get the Baptists, the Anabaptists, the Quakers. We get um, the Lutherans, mm-hmm. and there was a whole lot. It was a very bloody, bloody phase of history as the old structure again that had been built up since the death of Christ Mm -hmm. falls and we and we start to have a new structure rising out of that so
0: Can can I ask you a quick question about that um I am curious because yes the catholic church did fall in its power but it's still here Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, I'm, and maybe that might wrap into sort of when we go into the, the 2020, but I'm just curious because it fell, but it didn't die.
1: Yeah, and, um, and there was a movement of the Catholic Church pushing back for a period of time, the anti-Reformation movement, right? Yeah. So the, the, so no, it didn't die by any means, but the structure of society totally changed and who was holding power and ultimate power. Um, and the Catholic church holding all of that power had become so corrupt. They were selling indulgences, you know, Oh, we'll, we, we can forgive you. They had turned themselves into God essentially. So it was a huge check. On this power that had been consolidated over 1500 years. Mm-hmm. And all of that is what gets renegotiated. So when you get Pluto and, and Saturn, Pluto and Saturn times have to do with a redistribution of power. Mm -hmm. Often it's a time when corruption, the corruption of the established order, comes out into the light of day. These times are incredibly challenging, and folks who are not so just in the way that they wield their power are going to have a hard time managing the energies.
0: It's interesting when you think about, you call them indulgences back then, but it's not so different than now. Um, you know, where there's these corporations that are funding our politicians and there's a there's an exchange of money for power, you know, currently. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes, and yeah, there is. And there then like is. the whole and citizens
0: united, I mean I don't want to get too political, but the whole citizens united movement to try to get the money out of politics um, of of 2020 and even well, before that. And Kelly,
1: we can bring that right down into what's happened in the last two weeks. Congress, you know, so this is a time because we're in this crisis moment when stuff gets rushed through through Congress to, to try to meet the needs of the time, right? right? So this is when you have to really watch what's going on because the um, – the assistance, the people's bailout, right? That that the legislation is still evolving. What's what's coming through Congress? There's a new bill. They're trying to get it through the House. But this is a time when huge pork can be passed through. And it looks like on the face, oh, we're going to give families twelve hundred dollars. But on the flip side, the proposal that got rejected was for a president presidente to have um, was it a, a bill. A billion dollar slush fund, and we were going to give corporate bailouts. That, by the way, we weren't going to say who they were going to for for six months. That's an unprecedented level of like mind blowing corruption, right? right? So, so yeah, there is absolutely a correlate. And look at how people's bailout hashtag people's bailout is trending. You know, because it's, it's like, it's a renegotiation of power, corruption, just like during the Protestant Reformation is being put in our faces, and folks who are really not capable of handling power in a just manner, all of that's coming under the microscope and being
0: renegotiated. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, we're recording, just for people to know, we're recording this around 1 32 p.m. on Wednesday. So we'll probably be listening to this on Thursday. So hopefully that will, we'll see what actually came through, right? Because they're currently trying to sign this legislation. Yep. Uh, and it'll be interesting yep. to see. Very cool. So um, obviously this is a total game changer. So can you explain sort of, you know, you've explained the history and we sort of have correlated it to today. Do, is there more that you can tell us about 2020, like and what's to come for us?
1: Well before we get to that, I yeah. wanna talk briefly about the the other historical correlates of oh, yes, the yes. cycle. So so I don't want to lose the audience on it because you can go so deep into this stuff, um, but you, we can really track the course of history by looking at this thing. So let's take a look at the ones from the last hundred years. There was a conjunction for, of Saturn and Pluto from 1914 to 1950. So this one correlated, so again, conjunction, they were sitting on top of each other, okay. and they, just like they are now. And the conjunction has to do with something new being planted in the, conscious, in the global consciousness, essentially. So 1914 and 1915, they're sitting on top of each other, and it correlated to the buildup and eruption of World War I. Wow. So all of a sudden, Europe European countries are declaring war on each other and we see the mobilization of armies and from that time the redrawing of boundaries and reshifting of power dynamics in Europe. Interestingly, so they were conjunct in 1914 to 1915, but 1917 was the breakout of the Spanish flu and generally which was the big the last global pandemic yeah right so generally these saturn pluto is so powerful that you're going to see the echoes really powerfully for about three to four years and the breakout of the spanish flu is within that um that time frame of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction of 1914 to 1915. It's eerie. It's it eerie. Is eerie. <laughs> it is. Oh my gosh, what else? So so the way that this works is that they come together in the conjunction, right? So that's when the new thing is planted in the global consciousness. Saturn moves faster, so it's going to move off of Pluto. And the next time they're talking again is when they're forming a 90 degree angle. Does that make sense? And that's referred to as a square in astrology, the 90 degree angle. It's a hard aspect. So the square, the first square was in 1922 and the theme of power, like who's going to be on top continues in Europe and we see the rise of fascism and totalitarianism in Europe. Mussolini takes charge of Europe, becomes the dictator in Italy, and Stalin takes power in Russia. And during this period, we also see Hitler beginning to rise in Germany. So again, that's the first quarter square, and you see the themes echo. The the conjunction, we get World War I, the square, they're talking again, we get the rise of fascism in Europe, okay? So Saturn's gonna move again. Saturn's gonna move. Pluto's gonna move slower. They're talking again when they're at the opposition. The opposition is when they're directly apart, sitting directly apart in the zodiac. That's the next conversation. So what happens? It's 1931.
0: And it correlates to the Great Depression. Right. That's what I was just looking up. As you were talking, I was like Googling on my phone. When exactly was the Great Depression? And there you go. So um, I and I have to
1: cite this amazing source. So <laughs> Cosmos and Psyche by Richard Tarnas is like the encyclopedia. You can see how much I love this stuff. The Encyclopedia of Sonotic Cycles, okay? So the, the, there's an orb of influence. So he says that really the themes start when they're around, he gives an even wider orb than this, 10 degrees off because um, these transits are so powerful. But I am listing the date as 1931 because that's the exact lineup. They were within orb when the stock market crashed in 1929. So with the global depression, you see a further rise in fascism because what do people want when they're suffering? They want a strong leader. Also think about what we're seeing in our own country with with disenfranchised folks attaching to a strong man leader who's giving them a narrative that um, it gives them someone to blame essentially. And that was what brought Hitler to power too. So 1931 correlates to to the Great Depression. So that's the opposition. And then again, they're in conversation when Saturn moves off and they're back at a square. That's the closing square, the third quarter square. Um, And that's 1939 to 1940. They're in that position. And that correlates to the World War II. This is
0: unreal. This
1: is unreal. So, and of course, with World War II, we see, so Saturn and Pluto, it's always got to do with a reconfiguration of the power structure. So the U.S. mobilizes, comes into the war late recall the massive war effort when when um, really big uh, industries in the country switched over to making things that were needed in wartime like uh, GM for example uh, and GM has come out as saying we're going to make the products that we need to get through
0: this right. pandemic yeah I think Ford was making B-52 bombers or something like that or maybe that was right. GM. yeah right right and I think
1: that. I think Ford might have come out and said they're going to make, I can't remember. The news is moving so fast. Yeah. But some of the same um, companies that supported the war effort are here. We are at a conjunction again, and they're coming out and saying that they will manufacture whatever is needed in order to support the country and medical world really but support us in getting through this pandemic so the themes come up again the themes recycle so the u.s mobilizes we have this massive war effort uh the u.s tips the scale of the, the, the the balance of power and comes out as this global world leader right world war ii and i'm pointing that out just to say that the way that those that uh the the power was negotiated during during the square whole has held up until until now you know we, we see some of those same power dynamics so and then we have the conjunction again in 1947 That's the beginning of the, so the the war is over, but we have the beginning of the U.S. and Soviet Union Cold War in 1947. Um, And it it feels like the end of an era, right? It's the conjunction again. Conjunctions, when it comes around to conjunct, there's a feeling that it's the end of an era. So it's the end of the the war era, and this massive mobilization of uh, corporations in the United States that created things to help with the war effort. Oh, all of a sudden we have these huge companies and they start marketing their products to people and we get consumerism in the United States. We've got all of these, all of these goods, these huge, huge manufacturing in the United States. And suddenly they need to sell that stuff. So we get uh, marketing in the United States and capitalism on a different level and consumerism on a different level in the United States. So new era. So 19, so they come around, we've got the square again in 1955 to 1956. In um, the Soviet union is up to shenanigans. They take Hungary and Poland and tensions between the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union magnify with the West. So we're building up tensions. We've got the opposition in 1965 to 1966, the start of the Vietnam War. Um, And interestingly, this always, this, this Saturn and Pluto have to do with power. So look at how in the United States during that time, the FBI starts uh, in- infiltrating the peace movement, the civil rights movement, um, any, anything that could be, it's like the U.S. is almost paranoid about keeping and consolidating power. So that's the opposition 1982 to 1983, we've got the escalation of the Cold War, Reagan becomes president, and we've got an increase in uh, defensive spending, like military budgets are going through the, the roof. There's a global recession. You were telling me you have a personal tie into to that.
0: Yeah, I, my dad was unemployed, I believe, when I was born in that time. So
1: 1982, baby, yeah. you've got this one in your chart. we yeah. have um, got a famine in Ethiopia and AIDS is, is discovered. It's not an epidemic yet, but we start to discover AIDS in Africa. So again, that's happening under the conjunction. Um, oh, and I didn't make notes on the next square, 92 to 94. But at the opposition, what we have, that's uh, September 11th, 2001. September 11th, 2001 is is when this opposition was active. And we get the World Trade Center bombing, the Pentagon, um, the lead into the war in Iraq. And that happens under the opposition. And then we've got the square again in 2009 and 2010. So that's happening on the heels of the um, economic recession of 2008. And we see these bailouts for big banks and corporations, and also some populist resistance um, is is percolating up to the the bailout. So, and then here we are again in 2019, and we have some of these, these same... Issues are coming up, but in a bigger way. And because um, the, again, this conjunction is happening in Capricorn, it makes it that it's like um, the Saturn-Pluto cycle on steroids because it is a death to the structures that have been built in the last 500 years.
0: Wow. That's yeah. kind of history with this conjunction and I've become much more aware of the economy now that I'm older and that I'm a business owner and the conversation has been, you know, when are we going to hit another recession? We've almost been in this sweet period in between these conjunctions. And I think people were thinking about some other kind of recession or have it have it happen gradually or whatever. And it seems like financially we're just taking this hit right now and they're trying to do everything that they can. With these stimulus packages to ensure that we don't slip into this recession but it's i'm just i don't know i'm just curious if with this theme i'm wondering what that looks like i don't even know if you could answer something like that but with the theme of how this has been going i'm wondering if like the stimulus for four months basically is what they've created is gonna cut the mustard
1: that's a really good question. And when you refer to the stimulus cutting the mustard, hmm, wow, it looks really different when it's not. I mean, we're, it's a different world, just like I read to you in that quote that I've had at arm's length right. for four years from uh, Maurice Fernandez, where he says, I, we will very likely talk about life before and after 2020, yeah. so uh, you know, we might. My personal sense is that we are reaching a limit, yeah. as for, for growth and expect expansion. We are on a finite planet, and even prior. So I pay a lot of attention to. I pay attention to a kind of a different narrative than the one that we read on the New York Times and CNN, and I and I. I glance at those two, mm-hmm. um, but I pay a lot of attention to the economy, to energy and the environment and the interplay of those three. So, and I find it very interesting that, um, you know, the IMF met in late December no 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 late January so at that point China had been shut down but the stock market the stock market has been acting so weird for so long how do we have um, brexit happen in uh, in October and how do we have um, the Mueller report and an impeachment and the stock market isn't really responding to those destabilizing influences how do we have massive wildfires in Australia and the stock market's not really responding. And how do we go a few months into a pandemic and the stock market is still going gangbusters? It just it just hasn't really made sense right. for a long time, even outside of this kind of exogenous factor, this yeah. outside the market factor coming in to force. It's not a correction anymore. It's a recession and will likely become a depression. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it, it's, it seems like it just hasn't made sense for a long time.
0: And, and I think we've to rebuild. Basically, we've got to rebuild in a new, in a new way and have different metrics, right, yeah. of what it means to be a happy, healthy, flourishing society that's not related to the same ways that you've been, we've been historically
1: yeah and that's kind of where i so where i see this thing going is that um you know things who there's huge chaos in the power structure of our country, and there has been for a long, long time. And it appears, if we look even at just what's happened in the last few weeks, that that Washington doesn't have a lot of power to not like they, maybe used to have her like we expect them to have who's taking leadership on this. It's the governors. Look at the mayor.
0: I mean, even in, even in the city of Atlanta where I live, the governor of Georgia was like, yeah, you know, we'll make some revisions. And she was like, sorry, bro. We're locking this shit down. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. So part of it. So there's a reconfiguration and a renegotiation of power with this and and part of the question is who is the most who can hold great power and use it in a just manner. So we're not really seeing that at the national level. And I, you know, bless whatever bailout to the people they're gonna give. That's you know, that's not what I'm saying. But look at who is this thing. It's Like the governors and like you said, even the mayors, it's a local effort. So what I think this thing correlates to what I feel that we're going to see is the end of global industrial civilization. Things are going back local. And so uh, things going back local in terms of production, distribution, um, these we're seeing the vulnerability of having industrial trade or global trade networks. And when one having everything made in China, And having all of that disrupted, it makes us so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're reaching a limit with what our earth can take in terms of holding all of the pollution from that massive, massive, um, just moving goods around and consumerism on the scale that we've had it. So simplicity is the rule of the day with this thing. It's simple, simple simple and letting go of the assumption that Target and Walmart are always going to be stocked with stuff that no one really needs, you know, it's simple, 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 more with less and what's going to, and, and reordering our values because my conspicuous consumption Looks a lot less cool when one in five Americans has lost their jobs. Suddenly just that pressure of, oh my gosh, my neighbors are not okay. Right. It puts my own calls, my own value system into question. And when our global supply chains are being disrupted well that necessitates us going back to the local level and creating uh resilience within our local economies so you know this pseudo pluto and saturn and capricorn it's death to the structures the structures that we have relied on for safety and structure and a rebirth rebirth so I'm seeing rebirth at the local level.
0: And that's really needed. I mean, I, I just feel like, you know, running this business has been a boot camp for me in so many different levels as we started to create our own product lines and understanding that as much as we, you know, want to make our candles and our kits with local labor or at least made in the USA, I don't, I'm just saying this for the audience out there that might not know, We don't even make glass in the United States anymore. I can't even buy a jar from someone local. I can't do it. And if I am buying it from a company that's quote unquote in the USA, it just means that they bought it from China in mass quantities and they're the middleman to passing it on to me. And so we have so much work to do in that. We can't like turn on the dime because for whatever historical reasons or why however we developed as a nation putting all that stuff offshore has made it very tricky so you can even think you're doing your best by like we'd hand pour our candles and all of that stuff but it is almost virtually impossible to have a 100 percent made in the usa product at this time even if you're a, an herbalist making your herbs at home to sell in these tinctures those bottles 99.9% sure didn't come from here. And it's no shame. It's just the way that we've made ourselves so dependent on foreign entities.
1: Right. And, um, dependent. And then we've made our own, we've made ourselves very vulnerable because, yeah. because, because trade, um, is so complicated. It and, is and global. So we're a lot more resilient when the glassmaker is down the street and the glassmaker has an apprentice, an apprentice tents, and oh, there's is. and there are and there are lots of glassmakers to meet the needs of Atlanta and the Southeast and on and yeah. on. And it's the food system vulnerability sure. in the food system. It's 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 everywhere it's all of the it's all of the systems that we have created coming back local and there is a need for people to know how to do real things like growing food like storing food um capturing water cleaning water weaving cloth knowing how to do to do real things, to meet their own needs, to be resilient. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. And it's about valuing relationships over profits. Like I said, no fun to show off my cute, expensive outfit when one in five of my neighbors is newly unemployed it just, it reconfigures everything. And what good does it have for me to have three months of food in my pantry if my neighbors are hungry? So the moat. so, so I, the gift of this moment, I think, is that we are at a place where in the, in my heart of hearts, I really believe that we are being born into a higher level of consciousness. We are, we are being kind of, this cycle lays everyone bare. I told one of my clients recently, it's a great leveling that's going on in society where, um, you know, (laughs) privilege, like literally has just evaporated overnight economic privilege. So what does that mean? It means that we need each other and what a gift, that we've been isolated within the walls of our privilege, isolated and in competition from each other. So we're in a time, oh, I love this. I got this from uh, a friend and teacher of mine. This is her analogy. So we've we've had this idea, we've, we've lived out separation consciousness and part of separation consciousness, and I'm saying this as a white, educated, American middle class woman, right? So I'm gonna use a we here, talking about people like me. Um, But there has been this idea that we could create islands of safety and security for us and the people that we love. And if we just work hard enough and save our money, we can create that island of safety and security. And by the way, certainly part of the American consciousness there's people who haven't been able to do that—it's they're kind of defective, you know. Not really, it's I, can, I. There's there's privilege in that. Um, so we live in a time when the illusion that we can create that's for ourselves is dissolving. It's dissolving. And there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go for safety and security except into our own hearts and into the arms of the divine.
0: Well, yes. And, you're, you know, there's nothing that makes the oneness of us as an organism more prevalent than a virus. Yeah. Because you very quickly see how interconnected we are. Yeah, you do right, and so you know those islands are an illusion because we all shop at the same places, we frequent the same schools, we go to the same churches, right? So in this time, it's like we can actually see how interconnected we are, very tangibly through this specific um uh, reality that we're all living in. You know? Yes.
1: It, I I believe that we are going through a collective rite of passage through this, um, and it is something that will bring all of us to our knees. And and you know we've it's been really easy as a privileged person in the United States to just keep the focus on consumerism and consumption and as long as I have everything that I need at Target, I don't really need to think of the humanitarian crisis that's happening in Syria. I don't really wanna think about that. So this great leveling that's happening, suddenly, um, because my safety and security are called into question, suddenly like that's at the forefront, you know, it it opens my heart to the collective suffering of humanity and it becomes intolerable that we have um, humanitarian crises around the world and in down the street, you know, I've got neighbors, I've got my my little coffee shop is shut down, the pizzeria, right. And those, those people, those people that are part of my day and my week who are hourly workers, you know, that's, that's a lot more important to me than, um, this is about getting outside of our own self-interest and caring Mm -hmm. about other people and realizing our capacity to love each other. And transforming truly, it's human consciousness transforming through shared crisis and suffering. And it's an opportunity to realize our capacity to love each other and, in fact, realize that love is my own true identity.
0: Yeah, it's so uncomfortable, too. I mean, I have to say that I, you know, politically speaking, I favor representatives. That do not necessarily favor my, my income bracket, my business and what we're doing, you know? Um, and and I've had to like really confront that during this time. It's like, where are you gonna put your vote and your value on the value of human lives or on the value of your personal comfort and business quote unquote success? Right? Yeah, it's all of us. Yeah. You know, it's all of us.
1: It's right. um we have played out we're in a time where we have played out separation consciousness. Right. And it's getting to be without that illusion that I can create an island of safety and security for me and the people I love with that just out the window. Um, it kind of forces me to go, we're going back into unity. Yeah. We're going back into unity consciousness. And That's this awesome. current, and this is the birth. This is the birth into higher level consciousness truly I
0: believe that who and what we are is transforming yeah and like you think about birth and how fucking violent it is like I mean you like those little newborn photos but like that's not what's happening (laughs) (laughs) right and so like you're you're I mean jarring for everything about that. Mm -hmm. I remember something about that. So it's, I mean, so that's, that's jarring, you know, for everyone and it's painful and you're squished and it's dark and you're like, yeah. So, um, and then one more thing I wanted to mention, and this kind of calls back to what you were saying at the very beginning. I mean, the only other time I can think about, it's not even a time, but like before and after as our personal history is the, birth of Christ. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like AD and BC. I mean, are we in like one of those sort of like that, that life-changing and prolific as far, I don't know. That's the only thing that refers, it reminds me of, it harkens to that. I think that we are at a
1: shift in the ages. Yes. And I, and that is why the that is why five years ago in a this is a grocery store. It's the hippie grocery store, but this is at the checkout, right? And it's the lore of 2020 because we are, we are at the, the turning of an age. Right. We're at the turning of an age.
0: Well, um, when we had discussed previously, I was curious how we can take these sort of outer massive transits and relate them more on an individual personal level. Yes. And so we had discussed how it sort of hits different people in different areas of their life. And yeah. so we came up with a really interesting way to sort of follow the zodiac wheel to help our listeners take away, um, maybe in highlight, you know, you've got the grand message, but then how it might be highlighted for them. Yes. Very good.
1: Yeah. So it's, so there's huge stuff happening outside of us, right? And we've talked about how um, it's this Pluto-Saturn conjunction, but it's all happening inside of us so there's these, this huge turning of the ages on the outside, but it's impacting all of us, too. And we can look at, so in astrology, we work with the natal chart. That's a map of the, the zodiac at the time that a person was born. And then we also look at transits. And that's the way that the current astrological alignments are interacting with the natal chart to create uh, the assets and liabilities of any given time, right? So astrology, we've got the natal chart is one application, and then transits are another application. So just like we have been talking about, you know, culturally, the Saturn-Pluto thing is bringing what we've been talking about for the bulk of an hour here, it's hitting each individual chart too. Okay. So here, so let's talk about the themes you're going to notice. So, and this is really, this is a very rough sketch. It's going to be nuanced according to a person's individual astrology,
0: but we're going to go. Yeah. Before I get into that too, um, if someone doesn't have their natal chart, or they don't know some of these aspects for themselves, do you have a resource where they could maybe pull it up and and check it out? I
1: love astro.com. Okay. I, and in fact, I have very expensive software and I still use astro.com because I prefer it. It's easier for me. It's easier for me to see the rendering and that's free. So go to astro.com Put in your name, your day, your birth time, and your um, where your, where you were born, and you can pull your
0: own birth chart. And for this thing that you're about to go through, what aspect of their birth chart should they be looking at to focus on? Yeah, the houses.
1: Okay. So, so you know, we, we can't, I don't have every listener's chart in front of me. And we can't nuance exactly what it's going to do, but there, there are going to be certain themes according to the house that the suit, that the Saturn-Pluto conjunction shows up in in an
0: individual's natal chart. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, and so they're going to look at the symbols. So there's going to be little symbols. So you might have to Google the glyphs, basically, so that you mm-hmm. can see the glyph for Pluto and the glyph for Saturn. And then are they going to try to find where those are in their chart? They're going to try to find 22 degrees. Okay. Papricorn in their okay. chart. Okay. Is that hard to do? <laughs> I've never done it.
1: <laughs> um well this might be some for folks who have some familiarity with okay. their with their okay. charts okay yeah yeah Great. all right so so this thing this conjunction happened at 22 degrees of capricorn so what you're going to do is look to wherever you have 22 degrees of capricorn in your chart so roughly speaking if you're in aries rising like me and you have 22 degrees of Capricorn in your 10th house, this is going to impact your career. It's gonna impact the way that people see you publicly. It very well might impact the work that you do. Um, And it's about bringing who you know yourself to be on the inside. Out into alignment with the way that the world sees you, but all of these themes that we've been talking about, right? If you've got twenty-two degrees of Capricorn in
0: your tenth house, it's going to hit you in your tenth house. Is the house of career, okay? So uh, one you- one thing, I'm sorry to interrupt. And then for people that might not know, your rising is also might be called your ascendant on yeah. your chart. Just That's right that out there. Okay, That's right quick. Right.
1: So it's the eastern horizon, so so I'm going through and orienting which chart it's going to, or which house it's going to um, line up with according to the rising. So if all you know, if you know your rising sign, I'm telling you where it might likely be. But again, it does de- depend on the degree of the rising.
0: Great. Thank you for that. I'm just trying to be over-explanatory. Yeah,
1: to help people, people figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Can you think of anything else? No, I think that's great. Let's We can roll through them. So if you're a Taurus rising, ooh, and I had, I had someone recently who, who's got this one. So Taurus rising, and you have 22 degrees um, of Capricorn in your ninth house, it's going to hit your belief systems, the way that you see the world, the way that you live out the way that you see the world. It's going to hit your philosophy of life. So you might've had, you know, a philosophy of life before that just doesn't line up with the new way that you're seeing life and the reality. That's where it's going to hit. So if you're a Gemini rising and you have 22 degrees of Capricorn in your eighth house, ooh, the eighth house is the house of, um, it's the, uh, the deepest places within the psyche. This is going to stir up all your shadow material and likely that will be projected into your most intimate relationships and it could be a time where there is turmoil in those most intimate relationships really good time to get in and do some psychotherapy or get some oh really good time to do shadow work really good time um to learn the tarot to 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 do things that help you access the shadowlands of your psyche and your soul, and being aware of the way that that might be getting projected out into relationships and stirring up turmoil. So, cancer rising, this is going to hit with 22 degrees of Capricorn in the seventh house. That is going to hit you in your house of partnership. So it could be that business partners. Oh, I saw this recently. Um, and a woman was just absolutely getting screwed over by her business partner. So she's got this huge, like, death of the structures and the business. And Pluto brings secrets out, right? And suddenly she's aware that she is like, this is not the partnership that she thought it was. That's rising with this alignment happening in the seventh house. And it's also marriage partners. Um, and sometimes it can be friendships that feel like I experience seventh house this way. Sometimes it's friendships that um, those are my partners through life. Like it's more, it's not a, a, like an intimate relationship, but we're going through years and years and years and we're, we're partnered as friends you know so those are the areas it can pop up in with a leo rising and this happening in the sixth house that's the house of health and it's also the house of service so it's a time to really tighten up on health practices um, and be focused on having an outlet for service, really being of selfless service to other people. That's what's going to, with this one, that's what's going to make people tick and help them get through the crisis, wanting to be of service to others. Um, Oh, this is Virgo rising with this happening in the fifth house. That's going to impact your creative self-expression. Oh, I think about this one right now. I, I think of a recent client Who had this showing up so that, you know, business person in the creative arts, death of the way that they had done it before, like the whole line of work that they had been in, but a rebirth of new opportunities kind of in a just a a related realm but different because suddenly the world has changed and that person is adjusting the way that they express their creative talents in order to meet the evolving needs of the marketplace. So Virgo rising, fifth house. Libra rising, this with 22 degrees in the fourth house, this is going to impact the house and the home and the family and the people and the nuclear family and the family that you've created for yourself. Um, And suddenly feeling like some of those structures are not what they used to be all of a sudden. Um, Could also be, I mean, we're all quarantined right now. So think about the way that that impacts people's homes and hearts and families. And work, you know, suddenly working at home. I saw someone who was suddenly working at home, like, weeks ago, before all this. So that's the um, the Libra rising. Scorpio rising, with 22 degrees of, camp, of Capricorn in the third house, that's going to be a uh, community. Like, suddenly, oh, and that's kind of an interesting one, too, because... The the, the third house is our goings and comings, what we do during the day, where we invest our energies, the back and forth, the way we connect with our community for someone who just comes alive by going to the coffee shop and the restaurant and the yoga studio. And that's their life. Well, if it's hitting your community, wow, for like an extroverted third house butterfly person, (laughs) that's a. That's a big hit. Um, and sometimes when I see really big third house stuff uh, by transit, the community that was there and has been there suddenly just isn't there anymore. And it's a huge shift in associations and lifestyle. So, again, that's with 22 degrees in the third house um, Sagittarius rising with 22 degrees in the second house. That's the foundation of life. That's where we build our houses. Like we've got our house built on that foundation. It's our values at its core and our self-worth, but it's also the way that we live into those values, the way that we make a living. It's wanting to see tangible results of our efforts. It's our money. It's our career. It's our finance and the way that those things reflect our values. So second house, that's where it's going to hit. Your values, the way that you make your money, your money, the foundation, the financial practical foundation of life. So again, that was Sagittarius rising. Capricorn rising, you got this in your first house. That's going to really transform a person's identity. The first house is the house of identity. So think about that if the first house is the I am. I am a Capricorn. How does Capricorn express? Capricorn sets a goal, chases down that goal, sets another goal, So right now, some of those goals might really just be out the window. And for someone who is self-actualizing by, ooh, really trying to establish who they are in the world, suddenly there's a really big, like, death and shift in the identity. It's like the identity, the way that that's expressed in the world. Aquarius, if you're an Aquarius rising, you've got this happening in your 12th house. The 12th house is the subconscious. It's stirring up all kinds of shadowy stuff, maybe disturbing the dream life, really a time to tune in deep and pay attention to the subconscious, unconscious hits that they're getting. um, And really, depending on how it's aspected, leaning into intuition and subconscious in a way that they haven't before. And could really be stirring up some unconscious, subconscious uh, insecurities, like deep, hard to even access the level at which this is stirring things up but also a gift for the intuition. And finally, if you're a Pisces rising, you've got this happening in your 11th house. And that is an adjustment to your values, your goal, the goals that you set for yourself, the future that you create for yourself, because you're living into your values and your goals. And it's the tribe. So, you know, we attract our true try when we start living into our values. We, we we start attracting people we vibe with, so if you've got a sudden death in your house of values and a transformation of your goals, it could be that you know suddenly the tribe is impacted too because you're feeling that I'm not who I was before. So that's a quick rundown. Mm-hmm of the way that it is impacting individuals just by where this lands this conjunction lands in the individual chart but again it's always going to be nuanced according to um, the way that it's aspected or the way that it's interacting with other planets in the Naval chart
0: yeah. I will say like for me, it lined up directly. So she said Sagittarius rising and it lined up. So most, for most people, their rising sign is going to line up with what you said.
1: It's going to line
0: up. But the thing is
1: that it could be impacting the natal chart in a way that there's tons of support coming off of it. It could mm-hmm. be trying like every planet in the chart. And this is what they could be like, Wow, it's total chaos out there, but I was born for this moment. And there's all of this, this supportive energy that, um, that might like, sure, this is a chaotic time, but it might be like, wow, my soul has been waiting for this moment. So depending on the way that it's aspected, and it could be that it's hitting the chart in this like really sleepy way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the biggest thing to happen in 500 years, probably. Yeah, probably that.
0: Well, I, here would be my recommendation for our listeners would be pay attention and you'll probably have to listen through this section of it again for where your rising sign lands. And then also, you know what I've been in- interested now as you were reading through these, it's like, I'm curious about the people in my sphere and my orbit. If maybe I know what their rising sign is, or if I could learn that about them, it will teach me how... I can have more compassion and empathy for what they might be going through because every single thing that you went through is a completely different way that it's going to show up and hit someone. So it might give you a little bit more understanding about how you guys can show up for one another. And in one area, you might feel stronger and, you know, to, to, to be that intercommunity, you know, we're talking about the community and the unity
1: And that's the really fun thing about astrology. If for folks who are, who love astrology and are just wanting to learn, if you, if you learn the sun and the moon and the rising, you've got a person's personality profile. And yeah, with just like you said, Kelly, this is a huge transit that's impacting Everyone, and if you can figure out uh, which house it's hitting with your loved ones,
0: you're gonna have an idea
1: yeah. about what's going on within psychologically.
0: And then, and then I'm also
1: just, spiritually.
0: Yes, and I also I'm just thinking now. So I'm a tarot reader. So what I've learned is that you know all these different modalities um, have different sort of languages, and I feel like. My theory, I was telling this to someone yesterday, is that like astrologers were born in some sort of constellation where they speak astrology and then they came down to teach us all about the stars. And if I was, and for me, like I wasn't born in that constellation, so I have to still translate it in my mind, like when you're learning a second language, but I am fluent in tarot. And what I think is very interesting is we've been talking a lot about Saturn and Pluto and Pluto is the judgment card, and Saturn is the world card, and they're the last two cards of the major arcana, and the last two cards that indicate the completion of the cycle, and it's sort of the reckoning before the completion, and so for other people, I know we have a lot of listeners that are also tarot enthusiasts, or readers, or even just, um, you know, just have fun with it, but I think that the I think that you know the story is being told across many platforms and many modalities, whether it's through astrology or through the tarot cards that people are pulling during these times, or whether it's through your intuition and how your body and, and your how you're being guided. I feel like I've been talking to so many people who have made preliminary choices and steps before this happened in some sort of preparation without even knowing what they were preparing for. Uh, So I would just say to everyone that's listening as my sign of hope is like keep trusting yourself, keep trusting your intuition, and keep looking for some of these guideposts such as astrology or tarot or whatever speaks to you to give you a framework and a reference point because it helps as the structure is crumbling, it helps me at least to have a structure to interpret it. Yes,
1: yes. And that's what I love most you can tell how much I love talking about this. Yeah, stuff. Great. I love the capacity that astrology has to give meaning to the epic that we are living in. You yeah. know, and that's the ancient astrologers were out staring at the sky all night long, tracing it, the rise and the fall of nations. Um, And when was the time to go to war? And when was the time to save grain for the famine? It was all, it was all there.
0: Um,
1: So I love the capacity that astrology has to give meaning to the epic that we are living in and to connect each of us intimately to the
0: times in which
1: we are living.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. And I have a, it's so interesting, the quote that's coming to mind for me is like definitely from the voice of an old paradigm, which is J.P. Morgan. But I believe J.P. Morgan said, millionaires don't have astrologers, billionaires do. (laughs) And so just for the people out there, it is my belief, this is my opinion, this is my opinion, but that the powers that be know the power of astrology, of magic, of witchcraft of all of this stuff and I believe they've been using it all along and Mm -hmm. I I I do I believe there are royal births on full moons for whatever reasons and there I mean I, I I don't know exactly how it goes but this is this is not a luxury item it feels like astrology um and these practices that we share with people are vital to an informed life um, and you know, I have no proof except for my only proof is I did get a reading recently from Ronald Reagan, and um, I'm sorry, from Nancy Reagan's astrologer. Just oh, because, you did <laughs> Yes, but she was her astrologer while he was in the White oh, House. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, this is not. I mean, people. I think it's part of like my conspiracy theorist in me is like, you know, it's part of the establishment to make us feel silly to believe in these things. Meanwhile, this is what they're doing.
1: <laughs> well, that's why occult practices became a cult right? It was a threat. So, who are the Magi in the Bible? The Magi that the three wise men that go to Jesus on the in Luke and bring him gifts when he's after he's born in the in the manger? They're astrologers. They're astrologers. <laughs> go to him. Nice. They're astrologers. They're following the the star Star. star. yeah (laughs) but as the catholic church starts to consolidate power oh well these things that give people access to the divine and their own knowing in relationship to 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 nature oh this is power it's powerful Mm -hmm. so we can't have that that's going to be a cult Those are secret teachings right they're powerful
0: Right. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything that you want to say in closing like um, you so much? Oh, thank you for asking me. There is something
1: I want to say in closing. I want, I have got a lot of medical folks who follow me. Some of the, I had the privilege of serving, um, as a chaplain in my hospital until fairly recently. And, uh, Some of the people I love most are going to be there, showing up for work, taking care of people through this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I just want them to know that I love them and I'm thinking of them. And you know, it's not just the doctors and the nurses, and I would say the nurses and the doctors, (laughs) Um, but it's also, it's the physical therapist, the occupational therapist, the respiratory therapist are going to be under so much pressure. It's the transport people, it's security, it's the housekeepers, it's every single person that's showing up to make, to make those places run. And they're all putting themselves at risk. And that, you know, when we talk about the shift in consciousness, A piece of it is honoring every single person who makes that team run. And I will tell you that the person who ministered to me uh, most greatly during my time as a chaplain, I had worked the worst case that I ever worked. Um, And I was trying to clean blood off of my shoes. And a housekeeper, an old, old man who no one ever noticed, Mm. sat me down and said, you don't need to be doing that right now and clean my shoes. Oh. And being the deeply spiritual kind of person that I am, I felt like he washed the trauma and the karma off of me, wow. and that I was able to go out and continue to serve. So sometime, you know, and that's not a role that often gets noticed. It's not a role that's treated well. And guess what, we don't have a pandemic. We, we cannot do it without the folks who are sterilizing the tools, who are turning over the rooms, who are sanitizing them. And uh, part of the shift in consciousness is honoring and loving and seeing everyone's contribution. Yes. Um so a lot of medical people follow me and I just want you to know that my you're with me, you're in my heart and I yes. nice you.
0: That's so beautiful. And and guys like even like today I was at the grocery store briefly to get some necessities. And I just thought to myself, they should be getting hazard pay. All of them should people. be getting hazard pay. I mean that. Yes, I mean, that's that's where we're at, these people that are um, the first line of defense to make sure we're fed and that we're healthy, or that if we get sick, that we're cared for. Um, and so hopefully that's a benefit of this sort of disruption is to recalibrate to where that is noticed, and thank you for bringing that to our attention. Thank yeah. you so much, Carrie. Well, I believe we'll probably have many more conversations. Like I would love that, Kelly, as things start to yeah. progress. And um, thank you so much, and uh, blessings to you and your family, and thank all the work you. that you do, and to you and yours as well, Kelly. Thank you. I'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs> this episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at ModernMysticShop.com and click on Sunday School.